everyone and welcome to another episode of the board game mechanics i'm katie and with me as always is hey everybody what's going on it is jason we are back 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 again it's a good thing we did this again or there would have been some choice words <laughs> at the top here i all so this is so ridiculous that i still get kind of like anxious when i have to say the first words to the podcast because i'm always afraid i'm gonna screw it up or say something dumb and I think, what was it that I always say? What do I, how do I start every podcast? And it's like my. It's not the F word. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's not. It's That's not. That's not how I started it. That's just what came out when I didn't start it right. <laughs> this is a family show. This is a family show. I'll say things like that in the family show. Right. <sighs> I had earlier, we were talking and i had like this whole idea for what our banter at the top of the episode was going to be about and i have totally forgotten it like absolutely have no idea i mean it happens hmm. it's, it sounds like something we would do yeah hey we're going to talk about this and my mind blank it was an it was an amazing idea you just have to believe it us. was going to be great, great guys idea. it was going to be great but i guess it Epic. would have ruined our pretty okay yeah, we don't want to be too good now. Come on. Jason and I have been talking about making some, like, board game mechanics merch. Like, I mean, we mentioned t-shirts, but I'm always thinking beyond t-shirts. And I was... Earplugs, so you don't have to listen to us, that kind of thing. No. But I was thinking it would be fun to have, like, pretty okay, like, down the sleeve of a shirt or something that had board game mechanics on it. If anyone is really good at designing t-shirts... um, Send us send us some files. We'll check that out. We'll give you a cut of the big, big money that we make. <laughs> the thing is, if we did sell them, we would sell them so it was the exact cost. Like, we wouldn't make any money off them, so... Yeah. Yeah. Joke's on you. <laughs> Just pretty okay. <laughs> there may be, like, six board game mechanic shirts in existence, so... And we have five of them, I think. <laughs> yeah, we have basically all of them. Well, Joel has a couple... That's true. Uh, and Kim has one. Oh, and Brandon right. has a one, I think, too. Does he? Maybe. I thought he borrowed thought one he of did. yours. No, but I think he actually had some of his own made. Um, We do have those masks. Like know. We have a couple of board game mechanics masks. That's true. Oh, there is someone who has a board game mechanics shirt that wanted in a giveaway, too. Somebody random. They probably don't even listen to us anymore. They probably threw it away. Yeah. It's probably a towel now. It's, it's at a Goodwill somewhere. That'd be awesome. So I was like, what is this? <laughs> That's like full circle. That's awesome. <laughs> we didn't get them from the Goodwill. That's something you would do with your shiny shirts and other terrible fashion choices. That's true. Someday a shiny shirt will be mine again. Someday. Over my dead body. Literally. It's the only way it's going to happen. Fine. We can move on. All right. We have a lot of stuff. And Jason told me to make it short today, which is probably why I purposely make things long when he tells me to do something. I just, I'm just a rebel. But I guess we can go ahead and move on to news crowdfunding. 
all of that good stuff. It should just be Kickstarter news, but sometimes we talk about other stuff, so I don't I don't want to be so exclusive because sometimes I just talk about whatever the heck I want to. But I am going to talk about Kickstarter games today. One is a game that you can find a video for on our channel. And that game is called Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum. This is by Hot Banana Games. Um, they're Canadian. You know how we love Canadians. Um, and Canadians. <laughs> the coolest thing about this game are the comp- um, it's are the different components. Because it's some cool stuff in this game. Um, what is happening is you are sitting down to dim sum and they're stacked in these little steamers and they are on a like a rotating lazy susan and so in the game you're collecting tokens in order to be able to um be able to eat the dim sum that's in front of you because you can only purchase and eat the dim sum in front of you unless you your like special player power lets you do something else which that's another cool thing about this game is that there's um the 12 chinese zodiac animals as the type of player that you can be that gives you these special abilities which and starting resources and i think that's really cool um so then you're going to eat the dim sum it goes on a little card that you have and then that translates to points um and they've got some of these neat little like f- fortune cards um, that can kind of change things up, almost like event cards, fate cards that, oh, the fate cards are more like event cards. Fortune cards give you something, give you like a bonus or whatever. Um, it's a very simple game. So real easy family weights. Um, a really cool, I think, um, underused theme. And really neat artwork and components absolutely in this game. So if you are interested, if you like dim sum, if you think games about Asian food is the way to go, which I think is true, uh, check this out. Steam up. It's got five days left on Kickstarter and it is 48 bucks. Yeah. And most of that price is for the components because the components are killer. I mean, we had 3D printed stuff, but I'm sure the final product is going to look amazing. If it looks anything like what we had. It's going to be right. Cool. The little baskets were really cool and they stack up together like dim sum, like wicker baskets. It's awesome. My next one is also what I think is an underused theme, but I have seen more and more of it. And that is Alice in Wonderland. And this game is called Paint the Roses. This is from North Star Games. And this is a cooperative deduction game, which, you know, I love deduction. So in this, you are working together um, to help finish out the Royal gardens for the queen of hearts. And she wants the gardens arranged in a specific way. So you've got different like shaped shrubberies and um, roses that go in this garden on these tiles. You, each person has a card that gives you a specific requirement requirement that the queen wants. However, you can't talk about that requirement. Um, so, but you have to get that accomplished and then, um, you're adding shrub tiles to the board on each turn and that in turn is going to help reveal new information about, about what the queen secretly like wants the garden to look like. So you're working together trying to figure out what her secret cards are that are telling you how, um, to lay out the garden. I don't exactly understand that part, but the neat thing is, you're gaining points as you're doing this and you're moving around the track. 
The queen, as we all know, has quite a temper. So you're always trying to keep ahead of her in case she decides to off with your head. So as you move farther, the queen moves farther after you down the score track. The higher score, the angrier, the faster she moves, which adjusts the difficulty as you move on. And you're trying to finish the gardens before she catches up to you and chops off your head. The art is really neat. I think that concept is so neat. I'm a big Alice in Wonderland fan. So if you think any of that sounds good, you like cooperative games, you like deduction games, check out Paint the Roses. There's six days left on that and it's 30 bucks. Yeah, this one does sound interesting. And now that I know it's cooperative and deduction, it's not as interesting, but I like the theme a lot. It, it sounds, you know, I, I'm sure it's silly, but also fun at the same time. Yeah, the artwork also I think is really neat. And my last Kickstarter I want to talk about is not a game, but you can use it in games. And this is called Scented Dice by Baron Smellybones. And uh, I think there's four or five, there's five different sets of dice that are scented and kind of customized to maybe your character if you're playing a role-playing game. So for example, they have one called Healer's Balm. It's white, it's got really pretty gold numbers, and it smells like freshly cleansed linen. So like paladins or whoever your healer is, they can have those lovely scented clean dice. Or if you are a, some kind of fighter, they have um, a set that's ancient armory. They're like gray with red numbers and they smell like steel and leather, which I think is cool. And so there's one nature's embrace. They're green um, for your druids and your rangers. They smell like earth and fir tree, your elves. Um, there's one called fireball char, which are like um, red and yellow mixed with I think silver numbers and they smell like campfire. So if you got someone, <laughs> I played one of my friends as you know a wizard. He's just lighting up fireball all the time. I'm gonna cast fireball. Uh, I'm gonna cast fireball and it'll smell like fire. There's something called arcane vapors. It's like a blue and purple swirl, which I love. So it smells like sweet tobacco smoke um, for your magic users. Is it necessary? Absolutely not. Is it like a fun little thing to just add? Yes. And they're pretty. And they also smell good. And sometimes, you know, you need to combat gamer funk in any way you can. So if you're interested in scented dice, if you're always looking for a new set of dice, check these out. Scented Dice by Baron Smelly Bones. There's seven days left in that Kickstarter. And a set, one of the sets, one of the five sets, whichever you like, is 20 bucks. <laughs> I didn't know they were going to be all like that kinds of smells. And I was wondering, are they going to have like stinky feet and gamer funk smell? No. And BO smell to make it like you're at an actual convention or no, something? No, they're thematic to your characters. Uh, I didn't know I know you that. wouldn't understand. I understand. I just didn't know. I, I need the the white set since I'm currently playing a, a cleric. The one that smells like you fresh linen. I do. I need it. I'll just spray some Febreze on your purple oh dice. Oh my gosh. Whatever. See what I'm working with, people? <laughs> Scented dice sound cool. All right. That's all the news and Kickstarters I have for this week. All right. So we did no games on the first top 100. Then we did one game. Now we're going to do two games because we want to. I want to do three, and, uh, actually. Well, we're going to do two. Next week, we'll work our way up. <laughs> Pretty soon, it'll be like a, a, like 90, 90 games played. 
No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the first game we're going to talk about is one of two deck builders. So we had a game night where we played a lot of deck builders, and we played a couple that we hadn't played before, so we wanted to talk about some. So the first one we're going to talk about is a game called Trains. This is from AEG, I believe, um, and I think the designer is Sashi Hayashi, I believe. I don't know. I'm probably mispronouncing You know it. I don't know. But effectively what this game is, it's a deck builder where you're trying to get better cards. But the f- interesting thing about this is you're using your cards to build train routes, and you're trying to make routes on this map kind of like Ticket to Ride style where you're trying to get from one place to another to score some points. Each of the different types of terrain that you're crossing costs a different amount of money. Um, when you build train tracks, you're going to get waste. So basically everything you do in this game is going to give you waste. And a waste card does absolutely nothing, just clogs up your deck. So you could have 20 good cards, 30 waste cards if you f- don't do something to get those out of your hands. It's just nasty. Um, and you're going to keep going until someone runs out of trains, you run out of cities, and then you're going to add up your points and see who has the most points. Um, that's effectively it. It's a little deeper than that, but deck builder where you're putting stuff on the board. Um, so what did you think about trains? Well, I love deck builders as a general rule, so I liked that about it. The sad thing was, y'all know I love Asian-themed games, um, but this is the ugliest Asian-themed game I've ever seen in my life. Like, Let's not throw around the word ugly. I think it looks good. Of course you would. It's ugly. It really is. Um, I'm like, come on, man. Japan is nicer than this. I like that idea of okay, yes, you can build this route, but it's gonna it's gonna create waste. So how are you gonna combat that? Um, also, when you put your train routes through cities, it may help you get some connecting route goals, but it only is gonna really be a value to you if you put train stations in there. And so it's like okay, and you you really want to put trains or like wait, is that what it's called stations? Yeah. Yeah, stations, yeah. You want to put stations there before you um, or like after you've already gone there because you don't want to pay extra to build in that city. <laughs> so there's some good strategy involved to it. Um, it's interesting what cards come up. I was waiting forever to finally complete my route and I couldn't get the amount of money I needed to build this last train that I had. And it was, oh, it was driving me crazy. Um, but the turns go by really fast in it so i like that about it is it my favorite deck builder no but it's i i don't i played you know a lot of train route games and so i like that combo of the two and i won so yeah i i don't think it's necessarily the best deck builder but it does have some different mechanisms which i enjoy like the um putting the train stations in the cities gathering waste whenever you take an action and it just i mean Yes, other cards give you junk, but I feel like you get a, a lot more junk cards in this game than you do a lot of the other games, which I think is kind of interesting because now you'd be building trains, you'd be making waste, so it kind of works with the theme. Mm-hmm. And I think the art is cool. So What? No, you yeah, cannot. Like it. It's on par with London and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, I've never said that. London has good art. Ugh, it's like we talk about London being amazing all the it's time. It's like if Clemens Franz was like, I wonder what Japan looks like. And then that's why he made the art. That's what this looks like. It's that's true. It's just different colored hexes that are happen to be kind of in the shape of Japan. Yeah. I just I'm like, what this is what we got here? Come on. Even the box, the box isn't really like do it any favors either. It's like a bullet train wannabe thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's rough, but the the gameplay is, is pretty good. Yeah. The game is good. 
the box and art, not so much. Um, the next game we played, I've actually played this game. This is my second time, but your first time. And this is the DC deck building game. And we actually used the Teen Titans cards. Well, some of the Teen Titans cards because our friend Chris had everything and we just kind of grabbed some stuff out of it. Um, so this is a deck builder kind of in the style of Ascension. That meaning there's an ever-changing market. There's always going to be five cards out. They're going to rotate in and out as people buy them. And what you're trying to do in this is you are trying to acquire cards to defeat supervillains. And when you defeat the supervillain, they're going to give you some kind of special ability that will go in your deck. And then a new one will get revealed, which is going to attack everybody. And then the game's going to end when all the supervillains have been defeated. So you're going to use your cards to buy things. You're going to use your cards for special abilities. Uh, everybody has a little character that's going to give them a make them different from everybody else, which is cool. But effectively, it's Ascension with some player abilities. Um, so what did you think about this one? I, I like this one. Um, my problem is I'm not a huge DC fan. I mean, I'm okay with Wonder Woman. And I know, you know, just like the Teen Titans cartoon, that's about as far as it goes. I'm definitely a Marvel fan. So I felt like thematically I wasn't as into this game as I am a lot of other deck builders. Um, but I like, you know, trying to find the synergy in the cards, that there's lots of different ways to make that happen. Um, so much so that I'd like to play this with other um, characters and stuff just to see what that looks like for different types of characters and the way they build it. Um, I like, again, I always love multipass to victory. And yes, while you're trying to get these villain cards, like using your cards and meet and like being able to work with your um, like player power kind of gives you your own path to work with. And I really like that. I think that's really interesting. Um, lots of different types of cards in the game, which I also enjoyed. Like, I think it was good. I would totally play it again with different characters. Just see what it's like. I like it. I mean, honestly, you could probably never buy a supervillain and just keep buying cards from the market. Like I do an ICP because you buy all the big dogs. It's not my fault. And still, still have a chance of winning. You know, if you buy enough cards that have points you can negate getting, you know, missing out on five or 10 of the big dogs. So you could do that. I don't know how well it'd work, but you could try it. But yeah, I really like this one. I've played it twice. I played the metal version first, which I like a little bit better because you can get your superheroes that are your player abilities captured by the bad guy, which is kind of cool. And then you're always cycling in and out new, new abilities. So you have just different stuff going on, which I think is kind of fun. But yeah, this is a good deck builder. Uh, probably not my favorite, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, it was good. All right, so that is two games we played. Let's move in and keep counting down the top 100. Yes, we are on numbers 80 through 71. So we've already gone through 20 of our top 100. So if you don't know what we're talking about, feel free to go back to the past two episodes and check those out. Um Today, we I we might see some overlaps, make some revisits, but a lot of different type games today. So we'll start with our number 80. All right. So my number 80 is going to be a cooperative game. I think I've had a couple on this list already, which I always say I don't like cooperative games. So maybe I'm calling myself a liar. <laughs> um, but I do really like this one. It's from our boy, Philip DeBerry. PDB. And it is called Black Orchestra. Uh, this game is is great. It's a uh, World War II theme where players are taking on the role of um, the Black Orchestra members. I don't know what they're actually called. But they're from all different like walks of resistance. 
Yes, so they're Germans who were trying to plot to kill Hitler. Yes. You're taking on one of those people, and you're trying to finagle your way around Germany to get in certain positions with certain types of weapons during certain times of the war to try to get in that most prime position to kill Hitler. And the way you're effectively doing that is you're going to move around the board. You're going to be playing some cards that are going to give you some kind of weapon or some kind of way to kill Hitler. And then you're going to be rolling these dice. The dice have successes and they have some failures. And based on how strong Hitler is at the time you're trying to kill him, based on you know the time of the war, because he's weaker at the beginning, stronger at the end, um, it's going to be it's how difficult it is. So if you can kill him early on, it's easy because it takes less successes. But if you wait too long, it gets harder because his military strength is going to be really strong. And it's going to be hard. So this game, I think we've won it a couple times. It comes down to the last card almost every single time. Um, it's just really fun. Rolling the dice is tense. Um, every move you make feels like it's super important because it, it was when they were doing this. It was super important. So that comes across in the game. It's just really good. So my number 80, Black Orchestra. Yes, this one is good and tense. And I like it like next week better than you. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, my number 80 is a classic Uwe game, and that is Agricola. Um, I like Agricola for a lot of reasons, um, not just because I love all the little animal-shaped meeples and vegetables, which I do like, um, but I like that there are multiple paths of victory in this, sort of, <laughs> I guess. So in Agricola, yeah, so, right. so Agricola, you have a farm. And you are raising a family on that farm. You're trying to get all the different animals. They are having offspring. You are raising food to feed your people, have crops. Um, I also really like the card mechanisms where you can get advancements in different kind of technologies um, in maybe your job or in having like a better cooking process, storing process those sorts of things. So you're just trying to make the most out of your farming life. I really like this. Um, a lot of people tell me Caverna is better, which is fine, but I've never played Caverna. So I don't tell you about that. But I do like Agricola, which is why it's my number 80. Yeah, I do like this one. I'm not sure where it is on you my You talked list, about but... it like last week or the week before. Oh, okay. Well, well there we go. I do like <laughs> I'm this I'm pretty one. sure. <laughs> uh, I honestly would like to play this more. It kind of stinks to set up. There's a lot of cards and I'm just so bad at it that it makes me never want to play it which is not the fault of the game. It's just me as a player. I just can't understand how, terrible, why you're so bad at it. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm just not good at feeding those stupid people. Like I, You have I one job. You have one job. Like I don't have one job. I have to grow vegetables. I have to raise Growing animals. Vegetables, I got to grow your a people, family. Dude. Same with animals. What's my, All I'm doing is growing a family. They're eating all my food that I'm taking care of. They're not helping me take care of it. It's like real life. <laughs> yeah, like our kids it's eating all of our food yeah all right so moving on from that rant um number 79 for me is a game that we've talked about quite a bit i'm pretty sure on the channel i feel like we have maybe we haven't and it's from aeg and it's called santa monica um, santa monica is a game about building the perfect boardwalk and beachfront property in santa monica you're doing that by drafting cards. The cards are either going to be able to be played as a boardwalk, meaning the front of your beach, the bottom row of your um, tableau, or the top, which is the sand part with some water. Each card is going to score in a different way. It may give you adjacency if you're in next to some other type of business. It may give you um, points if you have certain color or a 
continuous path of things. When you take the card, it may give you some currency. Um, it just it may give you some v- some people that will come in, and you need to get them to certain spots to score some points. And you're also moving this little VIP guy around that's going to score you some points. It's just it, it's a cool game. I'm just grabbing it terribly, but you can go check out our YouTube channel and see for yourself what it's like. Um, so it's really good. It has really great art, really f- nice production, and it's a solid game, which is why it's my number 79, Santa Monica. Yes, I like this game a lot. Like a lot more than you, so I will describe it better in several weeks. <laughs> Sounds good. Stay tuned. Yeah. My number 79 is one that our friend Tim really likes, talks about it all the time, um, and it's not Cthulhu. And so he's probably going to be disappointed that it's so low on my list when I'm sure it's so high on his. And my number 79 is Taverns of Tiefenthal. I bet there is a Cthulhu version in the works, though. I bet. <laughs> Tim, Tim is like has a prototype that he made. <laughs> it's a prototype. <laughs> so Taverns uh, of Tiefenthal is um, actually a dice placement game, I guess. Is that how, what you would say? Dice drafting dice and Dice drafting placement, and yeah. placement. Um, and so you run this tavern that you're trying to attract new guests to. You want to expand the tavern. You want to get nobles to sit into your tavern. Um you want to get beer flowing in there. Um, there are technically there are five modules that come with this game. We from the very beginning have played all of them, um, but I suppose um, you could play them one at a time, which is I think a neat thing for this game because there may be some people that are overwhelmed by all of it at once. Um, I find that you should you shouldn't play with those people. <laughs> now come on, they got to get in somehow. <laughs> Um, but you're managing the cards that you have that allow you to do different things on your turn and place dice on them. Um, it's just a really neat game. Working your deck, working your tavern. Um, like, again, for me, multipass the victory. Do I want to use choose a dishwasher over something else? You know, you may want to go with this expansion and I'm not going to go there yet. Like, I, I really like that about this game. And I am big on dice drafting and dice placement. So this is such a good game. My number 79, Taverns of Tiefenthal. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about this in December again. <laughs> there you go, Tim. Jason put it on his right the right spot. <laughs> Yeah, see, so you can stay tuned in, so we won't get rid of all the good games, you know, in the low numbers. Uh, my number 78 is actually a game that, I don't know why, I just really like this game a lot. It's probably one of the earlier games that we bought, and it's a gateway game, kind of, and it's Century Spice Road. Um, of all the Century games, this was my favorite. I like the way that you build your engine with the cards. I like how smooth it plays, how quickly it plays, and it's just fun. So what you're doing in this game is you are using cards to acquire cubes. Then you're going to be using other cards to convert those cubes into different colors. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the perfect color of cubes, which represents some kind of a spice, hence the name Spice Road. And you're going to be spending those spices to complete contracts to get money and points. And you're going to be trying to be the first person to get like five five completed contracts to pay, depending on player count and all that kind of thing. Um, that's effectively the game. It has the mechanism where if you want to take a card from the market, you got to put some spice down on every card you're passing, which a lot of other games have taken from this. But it's a really nice mechanism. Really great game. The artwork is awful <gasps> in the version, but who cares about that? I don't think it's all you're looking at. Is the, too bad. It's bad. It's, it's bad. It's not that bad. But again, it could be black cards with yellow cubes at the top for all I care. So yeah, 
I, I don't care. It's a great game. It's really fun. If you haven't played it, definitely check it out. You can probably find it. It's everywhere. Uh, there's a Gollum version that has better art. Same gameplay, but it, I don't know if it's better, but it has different art um, if you're into that. But good game. So my number 78, Century Spice Road. Yeah, this is in my top 200. I think you like this game because you're actually, you're super good at it. Your brain works that way. Mine does not. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can I can play this whole game with like five cards in my hand. I know. You're really good at it. It disgusts it's awesome. me. It's like... This is like the Excel spreadsheet of games for me, and I just can't figure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't run it well. I'm a, yeah, it, I'm yeah. a word person. It, it, it can get it can get kind of mathy and Excel-y. It can for sure. <laughs> but we have taught, like, introduced so many people who are non gamers to this game, and they pick it up like nobody's business and like it and enjoy it so much. Um, the components are awesome. We have the um, play mat for it, which is. <gasps> We we don't have. I that. thought we did have a play mat for it. No, we don't. Oh, why don't we have the play mat for it? Because we care about oil. <laughs> Apparently, no. Well, because it's probably like thirty bucks, and the game is like thirty dollars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but even the basic like components are good in this game too. Like the metal, it has metal coins, which is really nice, and yeah, and the nice bowls, the bowls it has and nice bowls cubes, too. different color cubes. Yeah, it's good. My somebody. My number 78 is one of our recent game requirements. And I think maybe, I think Jason already talked about this one. It is Venice. Um, I did. Okay, that's what I thought. So in Venice, you are on gondolas, moving around, picking up goods, delivering them to other places. You're trying to avoid um, other gondolas because you don't want to be perceived as um flirting with crime and and because then the venetian inquisition will come and like bust you so you're trying not to get i forget what that's called notoriety or suspicion intrigue intrigue you're avoiding intrigue while you're moving goods around completing contracts um the components are cool the little gondolas i love the cubes actually fit in there Oh, you know, you know, I have how I feel about that. I and I and I like a good pickup deliver pickup and deliver game. Um, we've only played it at two, and at two, you are also placing. It's not really a dummy player, but it sort of functions that way. What are they called? I think they're spies or something. I, I'm not sure. I forget the term. Maybe. Um, but you're you're moving. If it's a two player, you're maybe it's spies moving this other gray player black player. it's whatever color just one of the non-player colors you're moving this other player around to try and thwart um your opponent's routes maybe try to give you a benefit as well um it's there's a lot of good stuff and we haven't played this as much as i'd like to otherwise it probably would be higher but it's such a good game so my 78 venice yeah i agree that's why it's slower on mine because we've only played it that that one time and it's just it's a good game, but even at two players, it was, you know, it's kind of heady. I couldn't imagine playing it with, with more. It would get pretty crazy. It would. Um, so minus 77 is a game that we've also had for a while. So this is my um, throwback list. Older games in the collection list, yeah. And uh, my number 77 is Lords of Waterdeep. This is a worker placement game set in the D&D universe, I guess. There's some people who have a place called Waterdeep, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there's Lords. <laughs> And um, there's owl bears and there's 
other things. Oh my beholders. Gosh. Stop trying. Stop trying. What it all it is is you're you're taking a worker, you're going to a space, you're trying to get money, you're trying to collect different color cubes. There's four different color cubes. You're gonna be using said cubes that represent something like clerics, rogues, whatever. And you're gonna be using them to fulfill contracts to score points. Because you're trying to be the person with the most points at the end of the game. There's some entry cards you can throw on people to make them have to stop what they're doing to complete some other piddly quest that gives them like two points. Um, there's other cards that'll give you special stuff as you're playing. It's it's a simple worker placement game. It's probably one of the if I was going to introduce somebody to worker placement, this will be one that I would pick because it's pretty straightforward and easy, but still fun. We also have the expansions, which I love the skull port expansion because it gives you this like push your luck skull thing that I really like. Uh, but even without that, the game is still amazing. That's why it's my number 77, Lords of Waterdeep. Yes, I like this five games more than you. To be revisited. Spoilers! <laughs> Maybe not quite five, but a little bit more. My number 77 is probably an unfair conglomeration of different versions of one game. But it just was easier to rank that way. And that game is Clank. Uh, we have the original... We also have played through two campaigns of the Acquisitions Incorporated version, and we've played the uh, Space and Mummy's Curse, I do believe. Mm -hmm. There are still others that we have yet to play. Um, Clank, at its basic, is a deck builder with a board. So you are using your deck to move around a board to collect items you are going beneath some kind of surface or some kind of level to get treasure all the while angering a dragon some kind of something, monster <laughs> some big angry yeah. monster so you're trying to get in grab the booty and get out before you get destroyed and before everybody else gets out too um most I've played so much of Acquisitions Incorporated. I really, really like that. If you've never done a legacy game and you like deck builders, dude, that is a prime choice. Like it's so good. Um, things to discover. The basic clan game is good, but being able to kind of customize your own deck as you go along, customizing what happens in the game, um, the board. Um, and even if you go like make it two sides of a board, right. And even if you make a choice that is bad, it still gives you interesting other things with the game. Like, I just think there's so many interesting things in the gameplay with that. Um, it's just, it's, it's really good. It's just really, really good. So that's why my number 77 is clank. Yeah. I am pretty sure I like clank more than you, but I, I can't say with 100% certainty, so we'll just not say anything at all. Um, but yeah, I do like Clank, whatever iteration. It's a great game. The Legacy version is incredible, though. I agree with you. All right, so the next one, I spoiled a little bit on Facebook because I, I know I like this game, but I couldn't quite remember it, so I wanted to do a little solo playthrough of it. And that game is In the Year of the Dragon. So this is a Stefan Feld game. Um, it's one of his games that slaps you around a lot. And basically what you're doing in this game is you are trying to prepare for 10 rounds of some kind of terrible event that's going to happen. With the exception of the first two, which is nothing. And then there's two where there's fireworks, which you don't have to prepare for. They just don't give you any points. But other than that, you're trying to make sure that you have medicine. So when your people get sick, you can heal them. You're trying to make sure they have food so you can feed all the people in your palace. You're trying to make sure that you have enough 
military in your um, in your palaces. So when the Mongols attack, you can fight them off to score some points. You're trying to make sure that when the tax man comes, you have money to pay for that. But the tricky thing is, on your turn each round, you get to take one action. You're going to take your little dragon, put it on these tiles. that will give you a couple options. You're going to pick one. You may need to do three things, but it doesn't matter. You're going to do one. And then you're trying to just prepare as best you can. You can't com- prepare for everything, so you're just trying to prepare for the ones that are going to hurt the worst and try to end with the most points. Um, you're recruiting people to stay in your palace. You're growing your palace to score points. You're getting points a few other ways, but mostly... You're preparing for the rounds and trying not to get slapped around too much. Uh, it's a good game. It I like it quite a bit. We don't play it a lot just because it is kind of brutal and punishing, but I think it's still fun. So my number 76 in the Year of the Dragon. I think I've only played this once, so I don't know that I accurately remember it, although I don't like games that are so mean to me. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it feels like I made it seem like it's meaner than it is. It's not like... It doesn't feel as mean as like ghost stories or something, but the events are pretty nasty. But you can prepare. There's plenty of time. Yeah, I I vaguely remember this, and it was it was good. I just definitely would need a refresher before I sorted it anywhere on my list. Um, my number seventy six is wow. It's even newer than the last game I talked about, Big New Chair Collection, because we just picked this up at Origins, I think. Origins, yep, and. Yep. Jason, I believe, has already talked about this. And that game is Arch Ravels. So in case you missed his, I'm sure, amazing description of this game. um, It's a game about making handicrafts. You are doing knitting slash crocheting. Um, The pattern they give you is, I think, for crocheting, actually. Um, These little projects and their hats, and their scarves, and their blankets, and their mittens, and then, and bears, right? And teddy bears? Uh, yes. Bears, hats, mittens, blankets. Scarf. Scarf, yep, yep. The neat thing about this game is that each person is a different type of crafter, so maybe I'm better at actually production. I'm really fast. So I have a special, um, like, action choice on my board that allows me to make more things on a turn than on your turn. But maybe you are like queen of the like um, flea market yarn picking. And so your special action is that you get to pick extra yarn where I don't like, I just think there's so, so many neat little things about this game. And then there are special projects that you're trying to complete that you can get bonus points based on your character, because maybe they're really good at that particular pattern. Um, just, it's just cute. I mean, it just is stinking adorable and really fun. It's just, you know, set collection type stuff, but with a great theme, adorable artwork, just lots of stuff to love about this game. So my number 76, Art Travels. Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I already talked about it. Uh, good game. My number 75 is actually another game that I had to refresh myself on because I played it like four or five times, but it's been a while. And I just wanted to make sure that I was talking about it at least kind of coherently <laughs> as opposed to normal when I just talk about it. you things. just ramble. Yeah, I just ramble. But I wanted to kind of, you know, have a little bit of preparation. Look at that. That's, more, that's better than pretty Oh okay. my gosh. We're going to have to change our slogan. <laughs> so my 75 is a game called Kraftwagen or Kraftwagen, however you want to say it. I think it's Kraftwagen. Uh, it's from Matthias Kramer. 
He's done some other games. I think he's in Rococo. He'd help design Rococo, maybe Glenmore or something. I don't know. But what you're doing in this is you're trying to design, build, and test different cars. And the way you're doing that is you're doing this really cool action selection where the person who's in the back gets to pick the action. And then whoever's farthest back always gets to go first. It's kind of like Takedo and that kind of thing. And then you're trying to get different types of bodies. You're trying to get technology to upgrade bodies so you can have a... Uh, a more valuable or a higher number of a body you're trying to get technology and build engines that's a higher number of engine ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to get these cars with engines as high of body and engine number as you can to the market to attract one of four different buyers there's a buyer who buys based on price so when you put a car in the market you're going to grab a price token based on like one to like 14 based on what round you're in there's a buyer that buys the best body and if there's a tie in any of these, they always buy the, the cheapest one. There's a buyer that wants the best engine. And then there's a buyer that wants the most prestigious car, which means it has the most service people working on it. When you put a car on the market, you also put some discs on it to symbolize it's your car. And then you're just going to be selling cars to those buyers, trying to score the most money. After, I think, in a two-player game, it's I think it's three rounds always. So after three rounds, based on um, you're going to end the game, and whoever has the most points is the winner. There's some goals you can win if you achieve certain things, like doing a lap around a Grand Prix. Um, if you have a couple different cars in the market, there's a whole bunch of other ways to score points, but that's it. You're making cars, selling cars, scoring points. It's really fun. I like it quite a bit, and it doesn't look the greatest. It has some kind of drab blue art, but it's fine. So my number 75, Kraftwagen. Yeah, I never played this game. I don't know why. Maybe it's because, I don't know. We don't suggest it very often, and I really hate um that you don't you don't like car games yeah i hate that other car game <laughs> kanban this was nothing kanban. like kanban which you say that which is fine we just have not played it so i can't i can't tell for myself if that's true but maybe one of these days i'll get to it <laughs> i'm telling you it's nothing like kanban for sure okay for real you're right i i don't really like car games but i'd give it a go uh, my number 75 is not a car game uh but it is one that I was more inclined to say no thanks to because the box art is kind of scary. Like it's just this. Oh, shoot. It's this big blue face. It looks like kind of a plane of the apes type thing, but it's not supposed to be. No, it really does, though. It does. And it's like dark (laughs) and sinister. And it just looks like a game that um, is going to be like intense role to resolve combat or area control. All of which are a no for Katie. But that's not what this game is. The game is Abyss. And Abyss, I'm sure there's some like whole backstory to like the council and blah, blah, blah. That doesn't really matter. It is a really interesting kind of auction bidding, mostly card drafting game where you're acquiring cards through like this kind of draft Um like each person kind of runs a draft on their turn um, for pearls, which are, I, I think, a neat little resource. But you're trying to do collect these cards um, to get these other, like these like lords that are going to give you player powers, 
Um, you're going to acquire locations, moving things around. Like there's just a lot of interesting little stuff that's fired off from this, but at its heart, in my opinion, it's a set collection. I mean, I'm sure there's more to it. I haven't played it lately, so I honestly don't remember all of it. There's a little bit of a pusher luck to it, which I know is partly why Jason likes it with kind of, okay, am I going to take this card or I'm going to let someone else bid on it? Like, What's it worth? There's just a lot of interesting stuff going on. And actually, the game art itself, much nicer than the box art. So um, my number 75 is Abyss. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure this is on my list, but the box art does this game no favors at all. None at all. It's a fantastic game, but man, that box is really like a head scratcher. Yeah. Why they did I'm that. Like, who would do this? All right. So my number 74 is a game that's been... It was... We have the reprint version. It was originally released by Days of Wonder. Our version is from Tasty Minstrel, R.I.P. Tasty Minstrel. <laughs> and it is called Coliseum. Mm. So this is game this game is all trading and set collection. That's effectively all this game is. So on your turn, you're gonna be running a an auction for some kind of pieces. You're trying to get different pieces that you need to put on a different show in your coliseum it could be set pieces it could be like soldiers it could be like animals or boats or whatever doesn't matter just different pieces so you're going to do an auction everyone's going to have a chance to bid and then whoever bids the highest gets the pieces that are on sale then after that everybody's going to be doing trading to try to get better pieces that they need so they can put on their op their play or whatever because they're going to have to do that after you do some trading so the whole game is just getting pieces trading pieces using pieces to put on a play or show whatever to score some points it it seems like it shouldn't be fun but it actually is pretty fun uh there's some arbitrary moving around on the board too but who cares about that it's trading and set collection which i like quite a bit so my number 74 coliseum yeah this is in my top like 150 and i'm surprised it's not higher i don't because I, I really like it. Like, there are some really cool things about this game. I think it's really fun. Um, yeah, I like the negotiation piece. I, yeah, it's it's a really good game. I'm, I don't know why it's not higher on my list. Maybe I just need to play it more. Could be. Okay, good choice. My number 74 is a game that we have already mentioned today. And that's Lord's Waterdeep. Um... Yes, there is a very light D&D theme to it, but it's so light, you almost can't see it. Um, but I, I like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, paper thin. like, yeah. I, I like this game a lot. Um, set collection, a worker placement, not set collection, contract fulfillment, worker placement. It's not like mean, but it can be a little mean and you're, pushing people out of spots and mandatory mandatory requests. And how can I get the different types of workers that are, I guess they're using them as commodities, but these different colored cubes. Yeah, you're like selling people. <laughs> you're not selling them, but you're recruiting them to, to work for you. Um, how can I get these if the one space is blocked off? Also, you have a lord that it's not, it's like a seek, it's like an end of game goal. So sometimes it's about um, trying to put up the most buildings, which is a cool way to get income. 
or it's about um, completing the most missions that have wizards or whatever. They're all themed differently. I don't know. Um, it's it's just a fun, really basic game. It's just good. So my number 74, Lords of Waterdeep. Yep, that is a good one. Uh, my number 73 is a game that I think I like more than most people who play it. <laughs> that's fine. I don't care. It's my list. And that is Zularetto. So this is a game where effectively you are trying to collect sets of animals and putting them in different sections of your zoo. So, for example, if I collect, we'll say, a flamingo. In that section of my zoo, if it has five five places where I can store flamingos, I can only put flamingos there. So if I've decided I want flamingos and I get a panda, I had to put that in a different section. So I'm trying to make sure that whatever I take, I can fit into my zoo. Because if you, if you have stuff that you can't fit, they go into your barn. And then it just becomes negative points and gets a bit messy. But you can do some selling to other players. You can buy stuff from other players. Um, you can also draft um, these little stands that you can put in your zoo. And I guess the way this game works is it's like a, a drafting game, kind of. You're going to draw a tile out of a bag, put it on one of these trucks that are out there based on the number of players. Each truck has three spaces. On your turn, you're going to take a tile out of the bag and put it on the truck, or you're going to take a truck. If you take a truck, your turn's done for the round, and you're just going to place what you put on your zoo and then wait for the next round. If you put a tile out, you're going to put it on one of the trucks, and hopefully when it comes back around to you, there'll be a truck or someplace you can put a tile to try to get some stuff that you want. That's effectively the game. There's a little more to it than that, but it's a set collection game with cute little animals. The art is not good. No. (laughs) The box doesn't look good. Nothing about the game really looks good, but I enjoy it, and it's fun. So my number 73, Zularetto. I think you like it because of the push-your-luck aspect to it. Probably. Like I say, if it has push-your-luck, I'm going to like it better. Push-your-luck and ugly art right up (laughs) your alley. That's true. That's true. The art on the box cover looks like freaking zoo book. Like, it's just... It is a cute panda, but it just doesn't do the... I mean, it's just ugly. It's an ugly box. It is. Uh, But the game is fun. I do like it. I like a lot of the elements of it. You're like, why is trying to keep a zoo, like, organized so difficult? Why can't you just let me have that pair of pandas and back off? Like, it's... I never got so fired up about trying to breed my camels (laughs) when I played this game. Like... (laughs) That's true. I just need a stupid male camel. Come on. Why? You don't need another one. You have two males. They can't make babies. Why don't you just let me have camel babies? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it goes. It's it's me. It can be kind of mean though, actually. That the way that that drafting works is kind of mean. It is, but it's yeah, it just makes the game fun, I think. Yeah, it's a, a good choice. I I think that's higher no, I, lower on my list, but still a very super fun game. Good choice. Um my number 73 you haven't talked about this, have you? Yeah, I don't think I am. I was trying to look through my list, so I don't think I am. We actually mentioned it recently on our Halloween episode. Um, but my number 73 is Mask of the Red Death. I am, of course, a sucker for a game that is based on a book. And Mask of the Red Death is based on a short story by um, Edgar Allan Poe. And in it, you play one of the characters that is at the prince's um, kind of party that he's having. And you are going around trying to figure out where death is going to be at the different, um, different. I think, every 10 minutes, 
yeah, of the midnight hour because you don't want to be in that colored room. It has great, like, gothic, creepy art. Um, it's you're like also trying to be popular because if you manage to survive, the popularity is what's going to let you win. But you're really more focused on surviving because it is really hard. This game is like super thematic and intense. Like you're like, I I think I figured out how to survive, but it is very difficult to figure out all the places. Not not even just to figure out to figure out any place where death is going to be. But also there's a programming element because you have to be able to get there with just moving like one like section over. So there's this like then balance of, okay, I have to not only figure out where death is, but where death is, where death is not going to be so I can survive that I can actually get to. Um, And it's so tense. Even if you think that you did it right, that whole like last part of the game where death, you're turning over the cards to see where death is moving and he's moving to these different rooms. The whole time you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, am I going to survive? Like, it's just so tense. It's just such a good, interesting deduction game. Um, I have not really seen anything like it. It's such a good game. So uh, my number 73, Mask of the Red Death. You've survived on this one before, right? I have. I have. I have, a more, I have survived on more than one occasion. But, I, but you, had, you didn't win. I right? haven't won that often. I wasn't popular enough the one time I did survive. I'm still ticked about that. I I mean I I lived for like the through two rounds, which is the farthest I've ever gotten. So that felt good. The last time we played it, I totally straight up died. Like I didn't even make it. Yeah, I think I outlasted you the last time, which is crazy. Yeah, it was a rough game that last time. I'm like I can't find out anything. Yeah, it's it's a good game. It's it's lower for me, like out of the top 100, but I do like it. I think it's because you don't really like deduction that much. Yeah, it's it's just it's not really my style of game. I don't. Like this is not one that I would like. Hey, let's play this. You know, if I if I had any game to choose, I wouldn't pick. That I one. don't know but why. I do. Not. I do like it. All right. So my number seventy two is a little card game, which is really really weird, <laughs> but I I like it. Um, and it's called Illimat. This is based on some album or song or something from the band the Decemberists. I don't know. They're kind of whiny and boring, and I don't like them. But the game <laughs> is awesome. So this is. It's a card game, and what you're trying to do is you are trying to use. It's basically like a deck of cards, mostly. It's the same like values as a regular deck of cards, but all of the face cards are going to have a season on it. And the way that this game works is the board is going to have four different um, areas. There's one representing each season where you can play a card into, but each of the areas has a restriction. So there's four different actions. There's sewing. There's um, reaping, harvesting. Yes, there's stockpiling. Um, stockpiling, and I think that's it. So, and there's summer. You can do whatever you want. So there's one field you can always do all those things, but then every other field, one of those things is off limits, and you can't do it in there. You're trying to use your cards to acquire other cards, and the way you're doing that is, you know, you're going to play a card that matches another card in that field. You can harvest it for a stockpile. You can. If I had a 10 in my hand, I could take a 5 from my hand and mix it with another 5 on the board and make it a 10, and then hopefully I can harvest it at a later date. If I play a card with a face value, it's going to change the season of whatever card I played on that field. So if I put autumn in the winter field, that field is now autumn. 
and you're trying to clear out a field to get these luminaries, which are going to do some special abilities. Like I said, it's weird. It's weird. It's hard to explain. It's actually kind of hard to teach too, but it kind of feels like a trick-taking game in a funky way. And it's like a race to be the first person to get 17 points, I think. And you're getting points by just acquiring these, emptying out fields, getting the luminaries. Um, whoever has the most of a suit at the end of the game, get some points on that, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, it's really cool if you can find a copy and you like funky card games. I would say check it out. It's not super expensive, 25 bucks or so. And it has really cool production, interesting art, interesting bits. And we've played it a lot, a lot. And this it's great every single time. So my number 72, Illumet. Uh, yeah, I like this about one week more than you. So yeah, it's a good choice. And it is weird, but we'll give it a go at explaining it again next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do have a video too, so you can just go look at it if you want. But yeah, yeah it's, it's weird. My number 72 is a game that I'm pretty sure Jason talked about last week, I want to say. First week. Oh, first week. Um, yep. And I actually like it better than him. I'm wonder. I might have. I might play it. Have played it more than you, actually. Yeah, I think so. Um, and that game is Shipwreck Arcana. Um, I think I I love the way it does deduction. And I'm not a numbers person, so if you don't remember, or if you just didn't listen to the episode, uh, Shipwreck Arcana, you are drawing two tiles out of a bag. They each have numbers on them. You choose one, and then you take the second one that you have, and you place it um, on a card that is at laid out in front of everyone that gives clues to help people figure out what the number is that you have hidden. Everyone has their own little number line to allow your teammates, because you're all working together, to help you figure out what the number is that you're hiding. Um, and so it could be in like these, oh, I forget what they're called for the life of me. The cards that are laid out. Fake cards. Fake cards. They're really pretty. Um, the artwork is cool. Tarot size cards. And they may talk about like, oh, the sum of my two numbers is even or odd. And so that kind of helps you narrow down what it could be, or it's three less than or five more than, um, and I don't, again, I am not a numbers person. I don't love math. But like th- thinking through, kind of doing this logic puzzle, gosh, it, I I just really, really like this game. It is super fun. It's also really, I think, an easy way to pull in some non-gamers, especially your, your logical, critical thinker type people that sometimes don't want to play like, oh, those weird fanciful games or whatever. Like they don't care maybe about theme. Um, my sister, the accountant, happens to like this game. But also my m- one of my aunts played it with us, I think over Thanksgiving last year. And she is by no means a number person, but really was like, once you play it, it's so short and quick, you want to play another round again and again. Um, and I think that's a sign of a really good game. So if you if you like deduction... If you like even a co-op, which that's the nice part, I think, is that if people are a little bit worried about playing a game like, oh, I don't know that I can know how to do it. The co-op aspect is nice because you're like, oh, we can we can talk through it and work through it together. And you play a few rounds of this and people are like, oh, I totally have this. And they're throwing out ideas and you're working together and you're puzzling out things. I really enjoy that. So my number 72, Shipwreck Arcana. Yeah. And you can also just have those people go last so they can see a couple turns first, sure. which is nice, too. All right, so my number 71, and the last one I'm going to talk about today, is a game that I didn't like at first, 
but the more I've played <laughs> it, the more I, I like it, and probably has some of the best art of the games that we own, I think. And that game is called Everdell. Um, so this is a, a tableau building game, kind of, where mm-hmm. you're. It's also has some worker placement, so you're going to be having these little workers of your color, and you're going to be sending them out to the board to collect different types of resources, berries and amber, or I don't know what it is, and wood and stone. And they're using those to build different buildings or recruit different um, creatures to come live in your town. And every card is going to do something either when you play it or have an ongoing ability that fires off at certain points in the game, different seasons. Um, if you get certain types of cards, you can complete these special ga- um, during game goals that will give you extra points. Um, every season you're going to unlock, or not every season, but a few seasons you're going to unlock some different characters so you have more workers to do some stuff with. It's a, a really cool game. Um, it's kind of tricky sometimes to get the cards that you need because there's a lot of cards in the game. And sometimes the cards you want just don't come out in the deck, which can be kind of irritating. But outside of that, the gameplay is still fun. You you can make it work. You just do a different thing. Um, <laughs> but I really like it. it. Has good art. It has an arbitrary tree that blocks the board. But I can let I can let that go. I can let it go. Uh, but yeah, I really like it. We don't play it a lot, but we did play it for a bit when we first got it. And it's it's a good game. If you haven't played Everdell, you should give it a go. So my number seventy one, Everdell. Yeah, this is just outside of my top one hundred. It is really pretty. Um, the more I play it, the less I like it, actually, which I think it's interesting that you've had the opposite experience. Yeah, every time I play it, I like it more. But as a general rule, I'm a big fan of Tableau Builders and and pretty games, uh, if you couldn't tell. So, yeah, this is a good one. I think it's like my 117 or something. My number 71 is a Kickstarter that we actually backed. That's right, people. We also back and pay for games sometimes. Sometimes when we have to. Right. But this this <laughs> game, I, I just, I, I couldn't let it go. Couldn't pass it up because the theme is hilarious and I love it. The bits were awesome. Looked so cool. And so we backed it. And that game is Moonshine Empire. So in this game, um, Pappy is going to end his Moonshine Empire and he wants to turn it over to somebody and you got to prove that you are worthy of it. So you are you have stills at your campsite that you are making moonshine in and then you got to get the moonshine to Pappy or to customers that are going to pay you for it. And so really that's the key is this movement piece. How are you going to get your jugs of moonshine to the place where they need to go while avoiding the cops, avoiding the gators? Um, just being able to get through the swamp. And that's where some of the cool parts come in. They've got this great, these great vehicles. Um, there are airboats and trucks and ATVs, like, and the moonshine actually goes in them and the little people like go in them. That's the best part. Like, I love that. And so it seems like, oh, it's just contract fulfillment. You know, I make the moonshine. Um, You have a certain number of, like, action points, essentially, that you can use each round um, to both craft the moonshine and, like, get vehicles and or money to accomplish different things. But it's being able to create kind of your own network of transportation for your shine, um, because again, some vehicles can only go can go over land. Some can go over water. Some can go over both. Some can't hold 
as much as you want them to. Uh, I, I And then once you get out of a vehicle, it gets abandoned there. It doesn't come back to your campsite. That's a really cool thing. Are the fuzz going to impound your ATV because you left it out in the swamp and they're coming by there? I, it's good. It is just really good. There's, and I've only played it maybe a couple times, but I can see so many possibilities in this game. And not to mention, I love playing with the little vehicles. So my number 71, Moonshine Empire. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, this game has minis, it, mini vehicles. It does. Yeah, so we have a game with minis, a little mini croc, or gator. I guess it's, it's a, gator. a gator, man. A mi- uh, it's, I guess it might be wood. I don't know, but either way, it's mini. It's a mini to me. <laughs> this is, yeah, this, this is a good game. Uh, that network, that tr- transportation network, that is a puzzle. That like burns your brain. That is hard. Yeah, that is a tricky, tricky beast. But once you get it running, it feels good. It does. All right, so we talked about our numbers 80 through 71. Let's recap them for you before we wrap this up. All right, I'm getting up to 80. And 80 is Black Orchestra. My 79 is Santa Monica. 78, Century Spice Road. 77, Lords of Waterdeep. 76, In the Year of the Dragon. 75, Croftwagen. 74, Coliseum. 73, Zularetto. 72, Illumat. And my 71, Everdell. My number 80 is Agricola, 79, Taverns of Tiefenthal, 78, Venice, 77, Clank, 76, Arch Ravels, 75, Abyss, 74, Lords of Waterdeep, 73, Mask of the Red Death, 72, I don't know, (laughs) I can't scroll down, 72, Shipwreck Arcana, and (laughs) number 71, Moonshine Empire. You can't scroll down, I can't scroll up, it's all good. (laughs) That's how you know we're pretty okay. Several of you <laughs> have mentioned some of your top 100, some of your top five. Um, one of my dear friends from college who really, you know, helped get me into board games, um, he talked about his top 37 because he always does the year of his birthday. So, John, I hope we lived 100 so I can hear top 100. Um, he posted on BGG. But we'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm sure other members of the Riveted, Riveteers, I don't, I don't, whatever, Riverinos, whatever you want to call yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Riverinos. <laughs> Rivertarians. Yeah. Whatever you label you want to adopt. I'm not going to define <laughs> you. Um, uh, River, Riverinos is what it is now. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'll tell you where that comes from later. It's It reminded me of something else <laughs> in my previous life. Um yeah, tell us um, on our Facebook page. Um, if you are on Facebook and are not a member of hashtag the Riveted, you should be. Good times, good discussion, um, talking about games. We love to see new people pop in there, um, mention some stuff, throw some stuff out there to the group. It's just good, clean game talk. It's great. Um, but if that's not your speed, if you've got Insta, Share some pics with us. We'd love to see that. Um, Twitter, which I don't understand, but Jason relays the tweets to me. So hashtag us, board game mechanics, top 100, whatever. Um, Talk about your games, what you're playing, what you love. And always there's YouTube. Um, Jason and I were just talking tonight about doing a YouTube video series. 
I'm talking about the 100 to 200 or maybe our 100 to 150, the games that just didn't quite make it to our top 100. Um, And so if you're interested in more lists and more videos that feature my beautiful face, those are going to be coming out on our YouTube channel. And of course, my husband, hardworking man that he is, is always putting out more videos, reviews, playthroughs for you guys on our YouTube channel. So check us out there as well. And as always, go check out our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. Uh, they do a weekly show, topical. They have video reviews. They're going to take a look at games that we probably won't play a ton. We do have a few games that we both take a look at, but I'm going to look at it from a different perspective than they do just because we're different gamers. So if you want more okay quality, not so pretty okay quality, go check them out. Um, yeah, they're not too bad. We're probably going to stop shouting them out because they're going to get more followers than us and they can do their own advertising. Yeah, they're going to be passing us up pretty <laughs> here, pretty soon here, which, you know. Good for them. I, I feel I feel kind of good because, you know, I helped, but kind of feel bad at the same time. So <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just stop talking about that. Yes, but they definitely cover different stuff. They are interested in different types of games than we are. Um, and that's great because there is room for all of us at the board game table. So check those guys out. They are some good, good buddies, except for Dan. <laughs> he's just Dan. <laughs> yep. He, he's just the, uh, yeah, he's just a guy. The thorn in my side. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we have. I'm sure this episode is long enough and Jason's going to hate me for having to edit this much. Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not as bad as I was hope as thinking, so it's fine. All right, well, thank you for listening to us once again, putting up with our voices, um, and learning more about our top one hundred games. So I hope you found something new to check out, because playing games is what we're all about. I've been Katie, and I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Do you think we should have mentioned Melanie's moose?